Hey, this is the Bridging Realities podcast with your hosts, Danielle Polgar and Eugenia Crock. Bridging the esoteric and the practical concepts of astrology into everyday life. We're happy you're hanging out with us and we hope you enjoy. Hi, friends, listeners of the Bridging Realities podcast. We are back another week in to this 2017 year of, I don't know what, we have a word for this year yet? I don't, I'm not sure. How is it unfolding? Oh, well, I know that the Kelly episode we talked about 2016, and really, come on, like, we're not following the Roman calendar here, y'all. We are looking at the sky as it is, and this whole thing doesn't really end until May. Let's get real. Right. But, but we described, remember we did like hashtags and it was like, um, dreamscape. I think Kelly used I or electrifying or lightning or that's something what's like that. To come. That's what's to come. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah. For mm-hmm. 2016. Cause we're kind of still processing. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. This... We are, we are, we're so in it still. Yeah. This Pisces stuff is not a joke and it's not going away today. It's, it's with us March, late February, March is going to be a saturation dance of the cloudy Neptunian Piscean confusion. I don't want to be here (laughs) (laughs) stuff. So, you know, we have a great episode for you guys today with Adam Summer, uh, which we will go into these eclipses. And we talk a little bit about our personal experience, but uh, we've just come out of an eclipse on um, Friday, Saturday, around that time. And we can talk a little bit more about that. We do in the episode, but let's check in. We are sandwiched in between these two eclipses. And this is what we call eclipse season. So how are you doing Danielle. Well, um, you'll hear a little bit about this on the recording with Adam in our conversation, but basically I'm in between worlds, almost purgatory. Like that feels like, you know, um, just kind of wandering in between this life that was a certain way of the life as I know it. And then the life that I'm entering into. And I, I, I've probably spoken about this before on the podcast and mentioned it in our Facebook tribe and whatnot, but it's, uh, it's very, very strange time for me. Um, in both good and kind of uncomfortable ways, like transition typically is. So, um, yeah, that's, it's, I'm, I'm just kind of one step, one foot in front of the other living and waiting for this bigger shift to, to happen so that I can, um, step into a new reality. But what I will say about that is that it's forcing me to be more present with what is, and, and also to acknowledge that any expectations that I set and thought about how my life was going to be, it just typically doesn't work out that way, or it just doesn't look the same way that it looks in my head, which might be part of my Saturn square Neptune in my chart. 
but, um, part of that is disappointing. And part of it is just is what it is. And, you know, practicing surrender, acceptance, trust, all of those things, which just don't come easy to the human. And I'm a human, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm a human. Wow. <laughs> you say that like over and over and just remind myself that. Yeah. I'm a human being, not a human doing, of course, that, that as well, which I've been actually pretty good at lately. I think it's just being, even though my mind wants to be doing a lot more. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah. You know, that kind of gets me to thinking when I was young, I would stare at myself in the mirror for like, who knows how long. Right. And I'd just be like, what is this thing I'm in, you know, and, and I don't know if that is a normal stage in human development. I would imagine it is, but where you're just like, I'm in this and I have, you know, these body parts and I have this color, this, and, and I would just sit there forever and just, I guess like get into my body, you know, as I was young. So it's, it's kind of like when you say I'm a human so many times in a row, you kind of get, (laughs) lost in that kind of like when you start in fact if you start yourself now I do that sometimes now and I'm just like my face will like change shapes and like totally it's like our view with from grad school totally yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. totally that's exactly right and it's like sends you into an altered state totally just staring at yourself or in the eyes of someone else yeah exactly yeah and it's just like the metamorphosis and you realize that these forms were in our limited, you know, in terms of our perception of them or whatever that might be. Um, and so anyway, so that's what it kind of gets me to thinking about, but yeah, I've had, um, um, a really obvious experience throughout this nodal eclipse cycle. Um, we started this eclipse cycle in September of 2015. It hit again in March of 2016, September 2016, and now. And we're going to have this kind of final Pisces-Virgo eclipse in on February 26th. And so there's this moment where the nodes will be moving and shifting where right now is quite literally like Adam talks about, it's the end of a chapter, in some cases, the end of a book, I think in Danielle's case, certainly being pregnant. And it's that moment right now where, you know, when you're like, I'll just use an example, The Fountainhead. Some people like hate that book, but I don't understand why. You know, I had to take that one in over the course of a few months because it was so delicious and nutritious. And it's kind of like when you get to the end of that book, you're really sad it's ending. And you're also pretty excited because you know there's a new book and you know there's going to be a new plot line and a new story and a new interpretation of life and a new perspective on life. But when you're coming to the end of the story, it is sad. It's grief filled. And, um, and I know that for me, I really feel a big gigantic shift occurring for me as well, especially since September of 2015. Um, 
And, and this is of course happening with my midheaven and it's squaring Danielle's. And so it, it does have a lot to do with career and how we show up in the public world. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, it's a very obvious, like, well, this is exactly what I'm going through. It's all about working home for me right now. Um, and it squares the first and seventh. And that has of course a lot to do with relationship and identity. And so, um, so yeah, I think that this, if I can look back at all these eclipses, there's been a moment for all of them. Even if like you listen back on our episodes, I even talk about it. And I know you do, but where I just cry, like I just profusely, I can't stop crying. I want someone to hold me like an infant and just let me know that it's going to be okay. But it, there's such a lack of control right now um, in the world and with these eclipses and in our own personal lives that like Danielle, you're saying it's, you just have to like be, you know, and, and that's what I did yesterday. It was like, I know I'm supposed to do X, Y, and Z because X, Y, and Z is not working in my life, but I just really want to sit by a river and write in a journal. Like, I used to do that all the time in my 20s, and it was like a non-issue. <laughs> it's like, right? I totally, totally was, yeah. Remember, like, when I we know. were young, and it was yeah. like, be, just being in contemplation was like the party. It was like... That's so nice. I spent so much time doing that. Yeah. And now it feels like, yeah, it's like a waste of time, or like mm-hmm. I should be creating content to put out into the world for people to consume because that's how I'm going to support myself or something, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of been up for me too, is, is that piece of like just this reality that we've created that's outside of ourselves, you know, and, um, how we engage with that, um, uh, in terms of our day-to-day experience in life. But I think what you're speaking to is just so, so true that, you know, the grief that comes or just kind of that feeling of like something's done and now what? Okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's this strange in between space that we're collectively all holding hands, kind of walking through this life experience and, um, and the unknown of what's, you know, emerging on the other side of it. So it's pretty scary. Mm. in some ways, you know, I mean, however you decide to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're welcome That's to scary. look at it. It's scary if you yeah, want. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's scary. It's exciting. It's, yeah. you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. I mean, it's quite literally, if any of you have ever been with a dying animal or a dying person or a dying, anything, a dying car, a dying job, a dying relationship, you know, we try for a while to resuscitate and we try our best, right? We make sure that the cancer treatments have been given and the pain pills have been admitted or the, we've used the herbs, we've used the essential oils, we've gone to the counselor, we've, we've talked this to death. But there comes a point when you realize that it's, it's going to die. And that's where I think in a lot of ways we are. And I think when we do realize something is going to die, there is also that feeling of relief. Um, even though once the thing dies, it's very, very sad, maybe for always, but there is like 
there is a relief like, oh, well, once this thing does die, I'll be free and I'll be free to, to recreate my reality. And I think that that is, um, that it's just so this eclipse, like it's portal or season of just crying and trusting that God is going to take care of us. And that when we, when we call out for mom and that's why I ultimately went to the river. Cause that was, I was sitting there yesterday morning and I was like, I just need to be nurtured. I just need to be held and be told I'm okay. And I was like, oh, I gotta go sit in my tree. Like I have this very specific tree I sit in and it literally like wraps its arms around me and it's right by the river. And I went with my tea and I sat there all morning and um, I journaled, which was of course about like what I should do for work, but, um, <laughs> I tried to make it emotional. Um, but, but I, I was like, Oh, earth mama, she's got me. She got my back, you know, like she's still here, you know, and she's still providing the seasons and the animals and the humans. And, um, so oxygen to breathe all that good stuff. Yeah. And just that and fluidity. That's free, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank God, air is free. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Right. So grateful. Mm-hmm. And nature's free. You know, we can yeah. we can always go into nature and and just literally just hang out and just trust this. It. You know, we wouldn't if if someone we love, like when Rasa died this summer, like I wasn't like, oh. I'm getting on the podcast and I'm going to keep on going. You know, I was like, I need some time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need some time. I can't talk. I can't, you know, cancel clients, canceled it all. Right. Yeah. So like we're allowed to do that right now. Like for the love of God, we have so much heading into Pisces at the end of this month of February and into March. This is the poop out phase. This is the dying phase. You know, we, there's no reason for us to rush anything right now. Like take some time off work. If you want, like, fuck it, you know, use your vacation time right now. If you need, like, it's okay not to be productive right now. Like, thank you for saying that. Oh yeah. The sky doesn't (laughs) want us to. I'm like really needing permission to Mm -hmm. just be, cause there's Mm -hmm. like this guilt associated with it too. And I, and I think that's part of living in an American culture is just, you know, overproduction and, um, consumerism is just like, am I enough without producing, you know, can I still be a quality contributor to this existence and, and just not really at the same time be kind of in a hibernation mode, you know, it's very strange, but I appreciate that permission. Well, and that's what literally the cosmos are saying to us. And, And if we weren't living in a seven day a week calendar, which has nothing to do with anything, we would be paying attention to the natural habitat, not just the weather outside, which as we're coming out of Aquarius into pipe, that reminds me, I have a birthday like this week. Four days away. Three days. Three I just days. remembered that. Countdown. Oh my God. I did too, which was so cool. Can we sing to you? Should we sing to you? No, 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 no. But I was just thinking, cause we're about to move into the season of Pisces, but you know, and I'm an Aquarius right on that Piscean cusp, but, um, you know, 
when we're in Pisces, we are, it's the end y'all. And, and if we were paying attention to nature, we would not be doing anything. We would only be fantasizing about the spring to come. And, and now with everything else that's heading in there, this is, this is the, this is going to be a dream. I mean, we can't produce right now and to trust. And we talked about this, Danielle and I, but we will be provided for. It will not look the way we want it to or we think it's supposed to, but like someone or something is going to show up and we're going to judge it because it's not how we're supposed to get support or we're not how we're supposed to be supported because we're supposed to have like really, you know, thriving careers, sexy fucking husbands, perfect children, and an exceptional career all the time. And that's not always how that support's going to look. And so... For both you and I and all of you listening, if you need to chill the fuck out, that is what God wants you to do. So, you know, trust that it's, that is what happens. And it's, and you know, and then all of a sudden, like we're going to, all the energy is going to change into, you know, into May and we're going to miss this. We're going to miss right. this. You're right. And, and that is the truth of it all also of, how interesting it is that, you know, our relationship with the present moment, you know, and like getting to the next thing, like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, moving, moving ahead. And and then it's, you look back and it, there's like a bittersweet, oh, kind of missed that, you know, for whatever it was. I mean, I kind of, I mean, sometimes I'm definitely glad it's over, but at the same time, it's like, well, that was necessary, right? And getting enough to understand the meaning and the purpose uh, behind this time. Uh, so it's all right there. Yes. She's back. I'm, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, sorry, I got a little distracted there, but. Well, um, that's so well fine with this Piscean energy. <laughs> around. Oh, what? Oh, I don't know what's going on. Where's the ground? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So, so yeah, so this is going to be a great episode. Um, yeah, we have a dude on the show. What? We haven't had a dude on the show probably in months. Months. Yeah. So we're excited and Adam's a, a super genius about eclipses and very poetic in his expression about um astrology in general. So if you haven't checked him out before, um uh, which I'd be surprised if our listeners haven't heard his podcast, but um he does the Exploring Astrology podcast. And um what else do we want to say before we dive into the show? Well, um you know, patrons, awesome. Keep on joining. We love it. We love it. Um, more and more stars on iTunes are always helpful. Uh, we both have this eclipse affecting our midheaven, so this is going to change our careers somehow, some way. And I know for me already, it's like, you know, it's not for me to divulge everything on this podcast, but oh my God. God, like my career is looking very different, very quiet, like very quickly, uh, even yeah. since this eclipse on Friday. Um, like, yeah. So, so in that, you know, we just want to continue to put out there into the world that, um, 
we love the support from our patrons. We love the support from the readings we get with you all. Um, we're going to keep coming with more and more stuff. We got our Q and a coming up and, um, our guests, um, or our, our patron question episode will be coming up soon. And so, um, so the more you want to get involved with us, the better and, you know, check out our websites and, um, consider readings with us, but really Danielle and myself and in honor of our birthday, the podcast birthday, we are offering 25% off a dual reading with the both of us. And I think we'll make that good through, I think like the last eclipse, because, um, that's also a birthday present from me. Cause my birthday is near the podcast birthday. So, um, so that'll be a fun thing. Birthdays are funny, huh? <laughs> yeah, they are funny. Oh my God. It's so but weird. But that's like the center of our job <laughs> is the birthday. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. It's like a big deal. The day yeah. and the moment you arrived onto planet earth, it's like yeah. massive. So, um, yeah, so it's always like a really weird feeling and it's weird for me cuz I, you know, I am born in like a really not pleasurable time of year. So it's a dark, cold, isolating time and um and so am I. So <laughs> No. So, Aquarius no, I, I mean every Aquarius I've known is cool. So oh, that's cuz you're Aquarius yeah, rising. <laughs> well, <laughs> true but <laughs> no we're cool we're cool people but it is yeah. it's so like surreal our birthdays and um and I'm definitely like in that spot right now so so anyway so that offer is for all of us um going forward and um yeah we love you guys and we really hope this episode is helpful for you all during yeah. this um wild wild time to be alive yeah enjoy hey pretty people of planet earth we are back here on the other side of the eclipse and we have a special guest joining us today mr adam summer from the lovely podcast exploring astrology welcome adam to bridging realities podcast welcome 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 thank you yeah, we're so excited to have you here, and we're going to be chatting about eclipses and just getting into it and seeing what's happening in the sky for everybody. I like your plan. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's good. So how do you guys riff? What's the plan? How do you talk about eclipses? How's the conversation go? <laughs> Very eclipsy. You never can tell. Um, <laughs> but I think... Well, I think what I would love, since our listeners have heard us discuss Eclipse plenty of times, <clears throat> although you can never discuss it enough, but I think what I would love is if you introduce yourself to our listeners a little bit more, tell them about yourself, uh, who you are, what you do, a little bit about how to find you. And then I think why you know we felt inspired to have you on for this particular time of the year is because this is your thing, you know, like this is something that you are very poetic in speaking about and articulate and you really understand the eclipses from a very like um, multi-dimensional point of view. And so I would love for you to just jump in and, you know, riff like as you spoke of and say, take say us those, on a ride. Yeah, totally. And we'll just ride with you <laughs> and, um, and we'll just see where it goes. Yeah. 
Well, I am definitely fascinated by eclipses, and it's kind of a sense of awe and a humbling effect that these eclipses have, and that they're they're infinitely complicated. It it's it's like they do grab your attention because it's the most I don't know captivating of anything that we can watch happen in the sky, aside from a meteor coming and crashing into the earth, I suppose, or something like that. But we can you know, really connect with these eclipses and especially if astrology is applied as a filter uh, and we know how to read the chart and translate where it's happening, <clears throat> it's incredible what you discover, how they're course correction events, how some of them are duds and the other ones change your life forever, how dragons are a part of it. I mean, it's something that is kind of like the exciting moments of chapters and epic fairy tales or mythologies and stuff that kind of happens in our own life during the eclipse window or dragon hole as, as, as I call them. And so, but you wanted to know a little bit about me. So yeah, I'm Adam. I have been podcasting on astrology and writing about it for, this is my eight year anniversary. Once Venus goes retrograde. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The first show was when Venus was retrograde in 2009 in the spring. Uh-huh. And so I've been doing it for a while, pretty committed, like trying to do a show once a week, lots of conversation with with astrologers all over the world. Danny, you've been on the show. Eugenia, you've yet to be on the show. And I just, yeah, I use, I use of course, astrology to convey what's happening in the world, but also music and art and great dialogue and conversation. It's not so much an interview format, more or less conversation, which I suspect is what you guys are up to on this show. And uh, yeah, I teach, I write, I'm pretty much taken by astrology at this point, and I'm not complaining about that. And I'm based in Colorado, southern Colorado, near Crestone is where I live and I guess where I broadcast from. But um, yeah, is that a good intro? <clears throat> Great. People want to look at my chart. You can. Do, does everyone do that too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We Give it out. Invite people too, yep. if you don't mind sharing your birth info. <laughs> to allow the astro stocking to begin. <laughs> the astro stalking, exactly. I don't think we probably get tons of stalkers, but go for it, Adam. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I think most. You of... might already have your stalkers who might be coming to our show to listen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how. How? I, in fact, we might even want to give our information. To be honest, I don't know. Have we actually? Have you never done that? No, you know, we totally have. I we, think. I don't. <laughs> Okay, let's all do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's all do it. All right. All right. Our okay. guest first. Yeah, go for it. Go, go first. Real quick. 5-24-83, 1 p.m., Plantation, Florida, Broward County. That's my info. If you did it right, it's six plus degrees Virgo rising. I'll go next. My chart. Yep, that was Adams. At Eugenia's is 2-18-83, 12-38 p.m., 28 degrees uh, Gemini. Excuse me. I'm, I'm born in Denver, Colorado. And yeah, that puts me at 28 degrees Gem. Right. Gem the five, yeah. And uh, I'm 516.80. I'm the elder of the group. Just kidding. <laughs> um, 146 a.m. And I was born in Glen Cove, New York. And that puts me at 
21 degrees Aquarius. Well, almost 22 degrees. Fun. Yeah. So there we have it. So I just have to say, you know, I'm the story piece is I love that part, Adam, because Mm. in fact, I was thinking about it. You and I met on the first piece of this series of eclipses in Virgo and Pisces two years ago. Well, September of 2015, like we met in real life, real life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I was giving a talk with that, that Kaipacha character. Kaipacha character. (laughs) That's right. And I think actually, Danielle, you must have done an episode around that time with Adam as well. Yeah. So I kind of met you around that time as well. Wow. So it's like full circle, right? So this is how these eclipse, these eclipses work, people. It's like Adam said, like sometimes they're subtle, but like not this one, not for me. It's so obvious how there are these chapters closing for me right now and certainly opening as well. Um, so I think it's a, a perfect, perfect example that I think the three of us in some way started a relationship with one another at the beginning of these Virgo Pisces eclipses. And then we're coming together on this show um, as we're kind of coming to the close of, of this season, well, of this two-year cycle, so to speak. So um, so that's perfect. I love the storybook chapters description of eclipses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if, if we were to do a triple composite chart, if it would fall. I know. <laughs> right. Can you the do? MC or something like that. I know. Yeah. I, I think I might actually try to do that over here while you guys are talking. Pull up. Is that yeah. possible? I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, you can yeah, do four. You can do up to four. Nice. Oh, that's cool. Crazy mathematics. How do they do the midpoint? Is it through midpoints, like the Davidson um, method? Uh, let me check. Um, I'll look yeah. while you guys talk. But yeah, I'll look at what was happening. I, I don't remember you... that, that date, but let's go with like September 1st. I think that might have been around It was September time. 12th. The, the, the eclipse. Yeah, the yeah. solar eclipse in 20 degrees Virgo was, at, was on September 12th. Yeah, so I'll I remember that. that. It landed exactly on my natal Saturn in the eighth house. Mm. Mm. <laughs> 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 but yeah. that's what you like. I don't know when you came on the show exactly, but it was definitely that year. And it was, it was talking yeah. about Saturn returns. I know. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was around that time of year, if like not maybe a month after or something. So. Yep. Yep. Well, if you guys want to listen to that, those listening, it's it's findable on iTunes, my site, which is holstheheavens.com. That's how you find my work. But um, all right. So I think it's interesting that you're connecting. I mean, I kind of do the same thing, but like connecting like that time as the beginning of this like eclipse journey, right? Because the nodes, of course, move backwards through the zodiac around every 18 months. They stay in the signs. And what really has been tripping me out, and it was ever since that time that I started studying uh, the Saros cycle or the Saros series, and I still am not any closer to really understanding it fully. <laughs> I mean, it's a big uh, journey to go on and trying to figure out the life cycle of eclipses. Like the true origin of these eclipses was much, much long or farther back. Like, for example, the one that's about to happen on February 26th. Like it's Sarah's series, which um, I don't have the the series in front of me, but I think it's like 19 North or something or South. 
It started on the South Pole, and they slowly go from pole to pole over a thousand years in duration. Some are much longer, some are a little bit shorter. But like that, in a way, is how astronomers or how you would have to study these eclipses to be able to predict them. Like, where do they happen next? As they kind of, as it, it kind of looks like a serpent that's made of shadows that goes from pole to pole. It's a fascinating thing. And I, I, I basically became fascinated in this because <clears throat> when I was giving a talk around that time that you brought up during those eclipses, I was uh, speaking at Symbiosis about dragon holes. I think that was like the name of my lecture. And there was this guy who asked the question and then kind of like got up and walked out because I didn't have an answer for him about Seros cycles. And I didn't really know. I knew of them, but I didn't have any answers to his questions. And of course, that feels pretty terrible when you're <laughs> lecturing about eclipses and you don't know. Like really the skeleton answer to to how these things work, right? And so there's this great book I recommend. It's uh, called The Eagle and the Lark or Predictive Astrology with Burnett Brady. Maybe you guys have it, maybe you don't. But at the end of it, like, there's a pretty simple breakdown on eclipses, but also she has origin charts for all these Saros cycles. And so, like, for example, like roughly the one that we're about to move into on February 26 started in 1512. Like that was the first eclipse. And they're always partial. Like when they begin, they're always super partial close to the poles. And so they're not total eclipses. They, they get to that over large chunks of time, right? Just, you know, say around 600 years or something like that is where like the totality will come. And so then extending to the huge eclipse, that's August 21st of this year. I think astronomers are calling it the great American eclipse, right? Mm -hmm. The one that happens on Trump's face has ascended. Uh, and we get to see it here in North America. Like it's going to be a very unique event to be able to see a total eclipse that's happening really close to Regulus, stretching across this country. And because of its totality, like we can assume that it's you know over 600 years old. And I would have to fact check that, like when the origin point is of that eclipse. But it would make sense, just quick math in my head. Um, so kind of a tangent, but like important information, I think to put on the table for anyone that you have listening or even yourselves of like really understanding these eclipses because they are in a way created by these nodes of the moon that have a name in India, Rahu and Ketu. It's a dragon. It's an Ashura. It's kind of a demon-like creature. And the relationship that Indians, but also most people, it seems, when you study like what did say the Hopi relate to eclipses as or what do tibetans relate to them as or the chinese or people deep in the jungle and like there's kind of a common thread that uh you see when you look to a lot of cultures that aren't you know civilized western minded and there's a deep reference and a healthy fear around eclipses that there's usually some sort of an entity, whether it's a dragon or a flying dog or a bear of some kind, that is consuming the sun and the moon or like acting out vengeance towards the sun and the moon. And they open up these portals so much so that like the Hopi, for an example, as far as I understand, like 
they would cover up all their water, all their food during a solar, probably both of the eclipses, but I have heard the story with solar eclipses because of fear of contamination, like going top down from the spirit world into the physical. That ceremony, playing music, probably doing medicine, doing everything to protect the community, the tribe, and oneself from like these some harmful energies, spirits, getting in. And I've seen, and this is where I started, you know, going down this particular tunnel of inquiry was witnessing possessions during eclipses. I've seen a handful of people literally get possessed during eclipses. <clears throat> and then being able to notice for myself, like, okay, it's not like an actual like walk-in or entity coming into my body, but like the one that was last fall for the entire two weeks in between those two eclipses, like there was a strange Portland-like fog around my head and I couldn't shake it no matter what I did. It just like, it had to happen. And it was fascinating to be able to look back at the changes that I made during that two-week period and realize, wow, like what a course correction. Like I had to exist in that fog for that amount of time to be able to figure out the changes that I needed to make. And so like without judgment, calling it bad or good or anything like this, there is a very magical element to eclipses. And I think just to distill it to the most simplest idea of like how impossible eclipses are when you really think about it. Like it's one of the great things that should help us remember always that we live in a very divinely magical situation flying through space. And I think that eclipses are a great reminder of that. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Yeah, I was just um, say. yeah. Wow. There's so much you said that I just want to like kind of dovetail off of, but the yeah. thing that's like sticking out so much is just that kind of cloud piece. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious about your experience if it was, and these possessions that you've, you know, speaking to also, it's like, when you've experienced these things, did you feel it beforehand, during or after? Like, what was the time frame? And, and kind of like, what's your experience with now your awareness of eclipses and how they really manifest? Like, because, yeah, like historically and in different cultures, everybody has a different relationship to them. But right. in this culture, you know, how are we, how are we relating to it? And is it, are we not doing it right or wrong, but just what could we be doing to kind of align with it more? Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's a question I ask myself every time the eclipses come around, you know, because there's always going to be four eclipses every single year and there can be up to seven. And so there's, that's a lot of eclipses to be able to experience. And it's not the rarest thing in the world. Like it comes around like that. There can never be eight, but always four, and then at max seven. So like there's a lot of these little portals that open up. And I think to answer your question, which you asked a few of them, but I just really feel like it's important when thinking about eclipses is to not forget the nature of the nodes of the moon. Because it's the nodes, Rahu Ketu, that create them. When a newer or full moon is in the right degree orb of the nodes, an eclipse happens. 
And so, depending on your take on what the nodes of the moon are, it, like that is a huge part of what's going on. And for me, like an easy way of understanding the nodes is that it's our personal mythology. It's the story of our life. It's also the story that we're trying to write. And I think I, this is a deep assumption that I have about life is that the world is made up of stories. It's like, what would we be without the stories that we tell ourselves and when we get to know someone and all of it like everything is made up of story and the tr most tragic thing around i think our culture in the 21st century is is being starved of mythological context most people don't believe myths to be even remotely true there's old stories of when the gods used to clap their hands to make thunder and stuff like this. But the deeper you go down that and you like entertain what Jung was discovering and a lot of different storytellers and like what really is the nature of story is it builds this context to our lives that's in a way universally compatible to all human beings. And it helps us, I think, uh, create a more magical, realistic existence where it, we're not starved from this context. It's like, what do we have now? We got Hollywood, fame, Jesus fading from the cross with so many younger generations as they come, like with a lack of interest of, you know, being involved within any religion. And this is, of course, happening mainly in the West, but I think it's a problem. Like it's a, it's a big problem. And so like by then turning our mind to the nodes and asking like, wow, like a personal mythology, like we're all a hero in our own story, whether we've discovered that or not. And when you look at some of the great stories, for example, <laughs> the two most recent that people were in love with, Lord of the Rings, the movies and Game of Thrones, they both have a dragon or dragons in the Game of Thrones case that are pivotal to the storyline. And so what does a dragon represent on the hero's myth? But like being faced with ultimate power. And that dragon is within all of us. And it relates to both fear and fascination. And that's precisely what the nodes are. We have to confront it. We have to understand that it's not about slaying the dragon. It's more like pulling off a Khaleesi with the dragon, befriending them and knowing how to ride them. And it's actually what I called my podcast on the eclipses, barefoot backing or yeah, bareback riding, something like that. Like knowing how to, <laughs> because like the Sabian symbols, the Sabian symbols were so damn appropriate for these two eclipses. Like the one for last Friday, the Leo eclipse was a bareback rider in the middle of a circus performing. <laughs> and then the, the one on the 26th is a jockey a jockey racing out of the gate. So these two horse themes, I just put a dragon underneath instead. Wow. It, it, you know, makes a little bit more sense to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like to think about things like that. And if you guys are not like your listeners aren't familiar with Joseph Campbell or like Carl Jung's ideas, cause it's the most compatible to the Western rational scientifically minded person. Then, I don't know, like turn elsewhere to like native stories or working with your own dreams and like asking the deep questions. Like what is the dragon mean to me? What is this eclipse window? What like, if, especially finding them in the chart, like what is trying to be corrected here? What is that shift? Because there is an evolutionary trajectory, I think, to really smoothing out the story arc to what the nodes are.
as they move around our charm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, ugh, yeah, it's so much I want to say as well. Um, yeah, you know, I've because this eclipse season has been remarkably challenging for me, um, and it was also this time last year, uh, this is all kind of happening in my 10th house on my midheaven. And so and my Venus and my Mars and like everything, uh, for me is in Pisces. And so I have had a lot of, um, upsetting moments in, in, in this window. And I did each, each time, uh, less, less, less challenging in the fall for whatever reason. But so I've actually been diving so deeply into my own nodal shifts through the houses. And it is, it is so uncanny how exactly perfect the, the myth plays out in my life of that archetype, right. Of, you know, like I have had so much happen in my home and my work since the nodes moved into the fourth and the 10th for me. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's undeniable. And prior to that being in the, you know, the fifth and the 11th and so on and so forth. And it, and so I went back and I went back and I've been historically really looking at these patterns and it is, it's undeniable. Exactly. I mean, it, it, the nodes are so mind-blowingly powerful in our charts, you know, arguably the most powerful aspect of our chart. And, and the natal nodal placement is huge. It's, mm-hmm. it's everything, you know, it's, it's our great strengths and it's a lot of our great weaknesses. It's that, that it is that dragon that we meet over and over and over again. And, you know, I, I have to remind myself all the time that I'm still only in my thirties because, you know, as an astrologer, I'm like, gosh, I should totally be at my cancer North node, you know, like, why am I not more feminine yet? But as I've noticed working with clients, I've had this really big shift around the nodes with working with clients where I think coming at it from like a Western perspective and having a psychological background, I've been like, for example, if I'm my client, I'm like, oh, well, you've got all this really strong masculine energy and you're here to integrate the feminine. Um, so, you know, it's okay to sit still and do feminine things. But what I've noticed is when I have clients like in their seventies, life organically like leads us towards our destiny. Like without, you know, these are clients who don't know anything about astrology and they meet me for the first time. And I'm like, yeah, well, you're here to kind of, you know, evolve towards this, this destiny point, this North node point. And they're like, oh yeah, no, I totally did that. You know, and it's always like such a disappointing reading for that purpose because, (laughs) you know, I can't offer like huge amounts of advice at that point. But so I think what I've been saying to my clients in the last few months, since I've had like a pretty big shift within myself around this is you are becoming your North node. Like there's not a whole lot that you can force. Like life will for like life will unfold it for you. Um, like with like a, like a beautiful, um, like you said, it's orchestrated it. I mean, the orchestration of these things are so divine, so perfect. You know, um, we have a, a member of our, our tribe on our Patreon and, um, let's call her Dawn. I'll leave it anonymous, but she just found her birth parents and she's having this eclipse in her first house. And she's been on this path for two years to meet her birth parents. And she met me on the last eclipse last September. And I've been kind of, you know, 
rallying for her. Like, yes, this is all about your identity right now. The nodes are in your first and seventh house and yada, yada. And literally on the eclipse, like that we just had on Friday. Now, granted it was in a different place of the chart, but she found her birth parents, you know, after decades, not knowing them. And so it, it, yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. I just like, I'm so moved by these eclipses, both <laughs> in a really encouraging way, but also like, a, ah, I'm losing my mind way. So, um, but yes, that, that's what I'd like to contribute. And also I just wanted to mention, I don't know if you know about this, Adam, but a book was just recently published and I don't know the title. Somebody had kind of told it to me in passing, but they have proven now that there's only been 100 stories ever told. <laughs> I like that. And they're just regurgitated with different names of the totally. characters. Totally. <laughs> they're like, that's 100 it. 100 stories. 100. Told. It's mm-hmm. such an exact number. Are you sure? It's yeah. Not that's it what could be 108. Apparently, this yeah, thesis right? <laughs> yeah. I know 100 is an odd number, but um, yeah, that's what this person had said in passing. I don't, so I didn't get like the name of the, the book or whatever. But regardless, it's true. Like, these, these forms, they just shift faces. I just gave a lecture on Saturday and I was comparing Angelina and Brad to uh, Hera and Zeus, you know, like the modern day mythology in, in the form of celebrity, you know. So that's just some potent. inspiring stuff. It's potent stuff, man. It's amazing. It's big stuff. <laughs> it's big stuff. So. Um, what about you, Danny? Do you have input around your relationship to these eclipses? I love hearing people's relationships to it. Well, yeah, I'm. It's unfolding, <laughs> but this uh, recent eclipse fell within two degrees of my North Node. So all this North Node conversation is, it you know, my wheels are turning and really trying to feel into this transition phase that I'm in right now of maiden to mother, which I don't even know if you know that Adam, but I am pregnant and I'm, Uh yeah, I'm due in, um, early April. Well, Aries teacher. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I feel this real big shift obviously in, and this is also opposing my ascendant. So I feel this shift obviously in my identity, how I'm going to show up in the world and, um, this new relationship coming into my life and what that's going to mean, you know, this destined relationship between me and this spirit being who I've connected with in a spiritual way, you know, kind of in meditation. But now that it's coming into physical form, it brings so much additional karma, let's say. And, you know, just kind of holding space for the question of what this is going to look like and the story, right? Like, I mean, I love that piece that you brought in because it's like, what is this story going to look like between the two of us? And how is this going to change my story? How am I going to engage with life in a whole new way? Cause it's almost like, you know, I'm the, the life before motherhood and then the life after, um, it's like another volume or another completely different person almost in a way. So, and maybe it's not like that for everyone in, in their experience of stepping into parenthood, but for me, it feels really monumental. It feels very significant. Um, and I'm kind of in this liminal space, even kind of a cloudy space, I would say, like you, you mentioned of just where am I now? Am I here? Like, I'm not here nor there, you know, and I don't know how to really identify with the world 
myself yet. It's almost like I have to wait to see what happens when I walk through and, and cross that threshold. Um, wow. yeah, so it, it feels really big and kind of overwhelming actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so exciting. Congratulations. And I think that what you're bringing up is a really wonderful segue into both understanding nodal returns. Right. Yes. And looking right. for you, yeah. But also, like, a nodal return also means that the eclipses 18 and a half years ago were happening in this area too. 1998, 99, like in those years was when the Virgo Pisces and also then the shift. Leo Aquarius happened in the same way. And so you said it, like it's almost like a volume change, right? Like I don't know if you meant that as audio, but like a book, right? You meant like a new volume. Yeah, book, new right? volume book. Yeah, yeah. Exa exactly. And so we have our first nodal return at, what is it, 18.6 years of age or something like that is when the nodes come back to the position that they were when we were born. And thinking back to that age, especially in, you know, many Western cultures, like that's when we're, we should be out on our own, right? We leave parents' house, we, whether we go to college or not, it's, it's definitely a volume shift. Like we're not in our parents' uh, house anymore. And also we're of age for a lot of things throughout the world. We become an adult in a sense. And then the new nodal journey occurs. And then the next one, which is you, is what you're experiencing, right? Is when it happens around 37, right? Like between yeah. 36 and 38, but right. Mm -hmm. And so the next volume, it's like, all right, well, yeah. figured it out. Like I, you know, I got my degrees. I was successful at this, that, and the other thing. Am I prepared to have a kid? I don't know if I ever am prepared to have a kid, but. I'm doing it anyways, and it's going to be amazing. And you step into this whole different journey. And in 18 and a half years, like, your little being will be going to college. Oh, my God, I know. Empty That's nest. Yeah. Right? And totally. so you can, see, you can see that in that way. And so by going back and really thinking, like, what were those eclipses back then? What was it that was, was coming through? Because I'll say this as well. Like, the nodes without eclipses by transit are fascinating, to study that, like, for example, wherever the north node is transiting, it's in a way bringing in and consuming so much novelty and just fresh experience. It's a dragon without a body, so it's infinitely hungry. And I love that. The... Sorry. <laughs> right? No, it is. Totally. I, I think that. I think the north node is a very dangerous thing at times because just calling it destiny as like your potential is not the full story. And like, for example, Rahu in, in India, like it's a red eyed kind of conniving looking creature that is, it, it's, it's about its hunger comes from wanting power and material success, which is the values that we have in the West. Sure. We can call that destiny and hardly even see a difference to it. But I think that when the North node is too focused on, it can be like summoning a hungry ghost within us. It's like there's, there's never a limit to the amount of readings you can give and money you can make and power that can be accumulated in the world, you know, like it can get out of control. And so the balance then between the nodes is absolutely paramount. And it's the image of the Ouroboros where the serpent or the dragon finds its tail. Like 
what is the balance of these stories not being attached to either of them too, too much. And in a way, transcending the story and being able to kind of have a metalogue with all of your thoughts to be really objective about your life and to remember that it is non-dual and that there is something quite eternal and forever about us. And it's, it's seen in the center of the sun, like the sun's our star. It's something that helps us remember. And when that sun is eclipsed, that's what will be totally eclipsed later in the summer, but like we're going to experience an annular one here on the 26th, it still opens up a little bit of portal. It takes away some of that light. And I think that there's kind of a feeling of Black Friday of spirits coming through, you know, like at the mall's door. Like I want in, like I want to get into this world. I want to feed on certain energies. Like that is a really interesting thing that can possess us with the North Node is this hunger that can't be satiated of our potential and always growing and always evolving. And it's a beautiful thing. But I think the South Node comes into play and it situates us in the compost heap, like being able to see like what's been digested over the past nine years, because that's where the North Node was nine years before. That's where it was eating. And now in a way, the dragon tail, which is the South Node, wherever it's transiting, is releasing very rich compost. It's the dragon's poop shoot. And you can see fertility in certain ways, like things coming full circle and finally growing wherever the south node is transiting in a person's chart. It's really interesting if you look at it like that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I think like this, like why that just feels good to hear is because with this Virgo Piscean thing, I think the struggle, not just for myself, but for most of my clients I'm working with, is this insane desire to be grounded and organized in a total yeah. in, in inability to do so. And, and the challenge is just being okay with being disorganized in whatever area <laughs> that might be, you know, that like, I think, I think you're right. I think that, you know, I'm realizing that the way I was trained to think about the North and South nodes is, a little, um, lacking because now having lived through so many and being consciously aware of them, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm finding a little ground. Finally, it feels like a little bit in this, in this axis, but it's kind of been like, how can I be okay with it? Not being organized. How can I be okay with it? Just being a total, um, Piscean foggy, mixed up lack of control experience. And, and then even looking at the clients who have this natally in their chart, you know, I see the oscillation for them to this insane amount of detail through Mm. certain avenues of their life. And then an incredible ability to just like get really drunk every night and completely (laughs) like check out from it. Right. And, and that's always like perplexed me because you know, especially with that nodal placement, like, wait, but I thought you're supposed to become organized and you're becoming more Virgoian, but it's like, they are very Virgoian, but they're also Mm -hmm. very Piscean. And, and I think it's the, it's the Pisces thing that they find the judgment for within themselves and, and, and right. And how do you accept both, um, that they're both fine or they're both necessary for your particular curriculum. So, 
yeah, that it just resonates because I think that it's okay to be not wildly organized during this particular transit and, and the chaos is, you know, like you said, it's pooping out. It's a poop out phase. Now we're going to have <laughs> a ton of poop at the end of February, you know, like Pisces poop, if I poop, man, it's going to be work. all over the fucking place. <laughs> <laughs> like just sloppy Piscean poop everywhere. And, and yeah, it's going to compost and then, you know, we'll maybe come, come with some life in May, but but it is it is a matter of just like just completely surrendering and and I know I had to do that yesterday in my personal life because it was too much and I was just like you know what I'm literally I have to just go sit by a river I have to just be with God and and just trust you know mm. there's that it's okay you know so thank you for speaking to that I think that is a really um uh, interesting perspective on the nodes Again, every yeah. astrologer with their own perspectives, but I really like I like yours. So, yeah, absolutely, and I just think it's so important to just constantly have the beginner's mind when relating, really, to anything in life. But like, especially with these nodes, it's like if you have two huge hemispheres of the world or two different versions of astrology that have almost completely different takes on the nodes. I think it's important to be able to have the mental flexibility to entertain both of them and then find the middle ground between them, right? And to find totally. your own language with it because, like, like I don't resonate 100% with either of them, yet I've given thousands of readings and I always talk to the nodes when I'm engaged with another person. And there's, it's, it's, I think, asking really good leading questions when opening up the nodal story. And then, I mean, a person has their stories, like they've been living their life. And so if you open up those questions in the right way, they basically tell you the story of the nodes without you having to say much. And you're like, wow, I never could have come up with that one. That story, everything you said, even the metaphors and the way it which is described is so fascinating. If you just allow your client or your friend or whoever you're talking to about this to tell the story. You don't need to tell it for them. Mm-hmm. Well, right. You know like, I mean? like this, this tribe member, like she found her birth parents during this, during this first, ha- you know, like you can't make this shit up. Like that was perfect. Like that's a perfect iteration of that energy in her chart, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be an amazing feeling when not, not knowing your parents for most of your life. And then mm-hmm. as an adult, mm-hmm. finally meeting you. Well, she, she used this phrase. I just spoke to her before this episode and she said, I feel really grounded, but also like tethered for the first time in my life, like Virgo, but also weightless Pisces. And I was like, if only I could explain how exactly perfect <laughs> that describes yeah, this transit, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. Like allowing those, le- that the language to come mm-hmm. from, from your client or whoever you're talking to. It's priceless. So let's let's talk just a little bit more about maybe this this um specifically about the eclipse we just had um mm-hmm. and the one that we're going to have on the 26th and just the implications of this shifting energy and and kind of your take on that. I'm really curious about that. Right. So we had a partial lunar eclipse on the 10th, it was last Friday. So 
if it was one degree off, like it wouldn't even have been any kind of eclipse at all. So it was kind of a weak one as far as observation. Yeah, a lot of people have shared their eclipse stories. For me, it was quite subtle, but I'll share what I've, I've, I've noticed of what happened and kind of what the theme, at least for me and a handful of people that I know really well uh, and how it connects. And then the one on the 26th is uh, annular eclipse, and so it's much closer right? Like the annular, the ring that is seen around the eclipse, it's just five degrees away from the nodes. And that one's visible way down south, like I think Eastern, South America, Western Africa, like way in the Southern Hemisphere. And yeah, there's just a wonderful theme, I think, like you use the word surrender and letting go. I'll be letting go now type of idea where you have a Pisces eclipse on this south it's a south node eclipse as well i always think it's important to note like which node the solar eclipse is happening on and when it's on the south node like you bring that idea back into our head of the graphic dragon shoot the compost pile and then throw neptune into the mix and we have quite the story arc here for addressing what i think and this is this goes back to last spring when there was that solar eclipse as well in pisces of what I've identified as just in the immense unfermented collective grief that we all are tapped into, but it's so unseen. And even it's really such a psychedelic idea that we could be carrying unprocessed tears from previous generations and stuff like this. But I was uh, co-facilitating a workshop during that eclipse last March and yeah, there was just like a melancholy and a sadness that kept coming in these waves throughout the whole weekend. And by the end of it, we just kind of realized that it was hard to identify it to anything personal or in a lot of our biographies, that it was just there, that it, it, it like there's so much suffering that has been unprocessed. And, you know, the tears have not come like it's just in us like there's a holding pattern in the collective imagination and i think it's a way where we get to address a lot of this and i mean let's not get into it but like the amount of pain and fear and like the need to surrender and let go to the inevitability of what's happening in this country right like i mean there's so many people justly so that are scared very scared and and uh, I don't know, like there's something around that. It's a very mysterious thing. But being being able to locate where that eclipse is going to happen, which is at eight degrees Pisces, and your chart is a way where you just ask your first question to yourself, like what is it that I haven't let go of yet, and it needs to be, in a way, like grieved. Tears need to show up around it. And yeah, and that's like the the tightest way I can speak to it collectively. And then, of course, like aspects it makes in a person's chart. And that story is going to be different for everybody. But does that resonate for you guys? Absolutely. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, I think Eugenie and I were kind of speaking to this before we even got on the call with you. And without naming exactly what you just named, you know, it's like kind of this overall neptunian piscean kind of disappointment like wait i thought this was going to be different and it's not and you know it's not what i thought it was going to be plus 
like you said, you know, we're, there's this collective consciousness that we're all carrying from whatever past lives, other dimensions, you know, yada, yada, energetically that, um, I think we're attempting to heal and we don't really have all the tools to do that right now. And so I feel like a lot of people in my experience working with clients feel kind of, um, and in my personal life, you know, kind of lost at sea, which is also very Piscean Neptunian. Um, and just kind of like waiting for somebody to come and, you know, like show up on the water. Like, I hope somebody comes or there's a horizon nearby. That's going to, um, give me some sense of, grounding and, Mm. and the sense that like, okay, I can, you know, breathe, I can set roots down or I can start fresh. And, you know, that's my hope anyways, with this solar eclipse is that there is this new beginning, there is a fresh start. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I don't know if that's really possible unless we do go through the grieving process and really allow ourselves, like you said, like letting those tears come and just whatever that is, to be purged and purified, you know, through this, um, experience, through this portal or whatever it is that we're going through. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where we are collectively, of course, um, in a year from now, based on what's gonna, you know, how this will activate everybody's charts. And of course the U S chart later in the year. Right. And what do you mean what in the U S chart? Like well, yeah, about. with, with the, just the upcoming eclipses in, in August too, you know, and okay. how that's going to impact us as a culture. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, you know, wondering if this is part of this leading up to that, whatever that mysterious <laughs> experience yeah. is going to be, um, big scene for sure. Yeah. Which, by the way, I called to get a hotel room in Wyoming. They're gone. Oh, I bet. You can't. Yeah. Oh, yeah? So, okay. Nowhere, yeah. Along the entire ecliptic, all of the hotel rooms are taken. So, like, I'd rather camp anyway. But, like, it's going to be a lot of people. Like, uh-huh. you know, for us, the closest is Wyoming. Um, Obviously, people will be in different spots. But, yeah, people, like, people are starting to look up more and more and pay attention. And I think this has gotten a lot of noise. So, people are pretty pretty psyched about it it really has and i mean what most people i think would be really fascinated by is just where it falls in trump's chart totally which which is on his ascendant in mars i mean in a world of no coincidence this man becomes president and the first total solar eclipse in how long like when was the last time? Was it the '60s mm-hmm. when it hit American soil? Like I don't know. You get you guys get. I don't know the date. I think, yeah, I don't know it either. It's been a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. been a while, and then it stretches across the entire continent. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. Yeah, I think so too. And so, you know, the fascination that I have, of course, for these eclipses is only perked when I see something like this and it just lines up in all these ways. And, and I'm not into prediction when in using astrology, but I do know how eclipses work. And I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating the way it transpires. And it, of course, doesn't always happen immediately. But one traditional interpretation that solar eclipse is falling, like the shadow of it on that soil is the death of the king. Or usurping of the king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I know. And... Yeah. Sorry. You're hearing <laughs> those whispers actually right now of like, is he actually going to make it? You know, like people are starting to whisper that even a little bit, you know, those noises, those whispers through the wind. Like I've heard um, from the news junkie, older generations, they're saying, um, what if one of them said to me the other day, like, we think he's going to just, you know, step down because of, you know, but there's things happening in the media that are kind of foreshadowing whatever may or may not occur. Again, we have, we can't know entirely, but yeah, his chart is, is quite the chart (laughs) for this time. Yeah, I know. And he's so, yeah, yeah, he's a, yeah, yep. (laughs) Yeah. One day maybe we can just do a a simple Trump chart one. I don't know. That might be too controversial, but yeah, we did. uh, Leave me out of it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I did. I, I was at a panel for the 2017 and that's what it wound up being really about was his chart. And Mm -hmm. we went like month to month again. It just kind of organically happened that way. And I was like, holy shit. It was, it was pretty, um, yeah, it was pretty mind blowing how it it lines up to what's happening right now in the sky. It was just like shocking. Oh, like his transits throughout his first year or something like that. His first year. Yeah. Straight up. Like I can't Uh imagine he's doing great right now, even just with the eclipses that are happening right now with him. Oh God, no. Right. He can't be doing great. I mean, there's, uh-uh. I mean, we don't know. We don't know where he, but yeah, if we were his astrologer, we'd be like, damn, are you all right? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's a lot going on for you right now, you know? So I, I just wanted to mention something about this grief piece that you both speak, spoke to because it's, it's, yeah. it's so valid for, for this and, and inviting all of us to that. It's okay to just cry. You know, I know like I'm, I've cried more in the last two years than I have like cumulatively ever cried in my life. And sometimes there's a reason and sometimes there isn't. And, but something I've heard a lot of friends even saying during this eclipse portal that we're in right now is I just need somebody to take care of me for just like a day or two, you know, um, just take care of me. I, you know, where's that, that nurturing person or thing or entity that is just going to say today is going to be like, you're going to be okay. Um, and it was really interesting. These, I, I, for some random reason decided to, well, was forced to watch the Grammys on Saturday. My friend was like, let's just watch the Grammys and not think about it. And these two kids won a Grammy for some song. And for some reason, my mom apparently Googled it and watched it. And she, she was like, you got to watch this video of these guys. And the whole song was about that. It was like, I wish I could turn back time to the good old days where somebody would sing me to bed and say it's okay. And I think that that is that Piscean Virgoian thing that like you're both speaking to. And, and I think that the, the magic of it is with all of these like really powerful celebrities passing on during this experience it gives the collective consciousness or the consensus consciousness an opportunity to grieve right it's like Mm -hmm. well this you know prince died so you're welcome to grieve or like even watching the grammys it was like it was just such an impressive list of people who passed away during this experience and it allows all of us to be sad for the loss of that celebrity but but could it be that it's quite literally giving us the opportunity to grieve tears that are deeper than we could possibly, you know, comprehend. Mm. Mm. 
That is beautiful. Yeah, a lot of great ones. God. Great Damn. ones. Mm-hmm. Leonard Cohen? Come on. I know. Yeah. Bowie? Bowie, Prince. Merle, Merle Haggard? Totally. Pr- Princess Leia? Yeah. Oh, George Michael, yeah. which we... I just found George out George Michael, yeah. You just found out about that one. Oh, At the man. Grammys, watching it. <laughs> really? Mary Tyler Moore? Mary Tyler, yeah. yeah. Totally. And I'd imagine there's going to be a number of them more before the nodes move. I mean, oh, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, mm-hmm. February, around... March, woof. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be cool if I jumped suit mm-hmm. into some other dimension during this <laughs> Totally. Right? Like, all right, later, guys. It's about to get real weird down there. And <laughs> I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> this is my version of good karma. Yeah. Totally. totally. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people have said that, though, right? Like, this Pisces yeah. feel is like a lot of us just don't want to be here. Like, is yeah. this really what the state of humanity you know you know the confusion the fake news the just the, the so many different layers of it i think there has been a very organic desire for a lot of us to just not want to mm-hmm. be here um mm-hmm. and i think again it's being mirrored to us in in the movies we're seeing and the celebrities and you know the modern day you know mythological creatures so to speak you know the news, all that. It's like, it seems clear that everyone's feeling this. And it's, I'm, I'm The old. singularity is on its way. Mm. <laughs> right. It's coming. Like, that's that's the idea of, is, is it going to be Jesus coming back? Like, mm. who's the savior? Totally. Who comes back to usher in the age of Aquarius? Like, mm, well, it's yeah. going to be something like transcendence. Mm. Like, Johnny Depp's voice just in everyone's ears. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Right, Neo. I've heard so many people like, "Where's Neo?" People keep saying, referring to oh, the, the Matrix. Matrix. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's so like legit at this point, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. are living in the man-made Matrix, and and it's funny because like when that movie came out, and I was in high school, I guess, yeah, and so I didn't. That was before cell phones. And definitely before, like, mm-hmm. internet usage, like, on any, you know, I don't think we even had it in our school yet at that point. So, but now it's like, holy shit, the foreshadowing, you know? It happens in those movies all the time, so. Anyway, uh, rabbit holes down into Pisces land. So, bringing us back up to land, to Virgo land, this has been a fun conversation. Yeah, it always mm-hmm. is when dragons get involved, isn't it? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and for all of you, we'll be on Adam's show as his guests in March, right? Sometime in March? Right. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. that's when we got it scheduled. Yeah. That'll be fun, too. We'll talk about the goddess herself. Mm. Mm, Venus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. More good stuff. Well, awesome. And more Pisces. That's well. right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, great. So hanging bad. out in there. So I'm like so bad. pruned from this Piscean bath. I'm like, get me out of here. So <laughs> Deal. Yeah. I know. We all just have to just, you know, a couple more months, just breathe, you know, try to trust, sit by the river, do what we can. But yeah, but for those of you who have enjoyed our com- communing of energies yeah you'll be able to listen to that episode on adam's podcast and you guys should definitely check that out in the meantime as well but any last thoughts 
before we close up shop on this eclipse season. Yeah. I have a very practical recommendation for everyone in working with the final stages of these nodes in Pisces Virgo. Yay. It's like, right. Like the battle between order and chaos and whatnot. And for me, so much of the learning that happens in studying astrology is just by matching what's occurring in my life to these transits, right? Well, my ascendant is six degrees Virgo. And when that node was exact, the North node at six degrees Virgo, um, I finally paid heed to these recommendations that I had been getting for so long that I need to check out this guy, Tim Ferriss. Do you guys know who Tim Ferriss is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just listened to him this morning. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. So I knew who he was. Like he had been on a few podcasts that I listened to, like Rogan and Duncan and, and, but I've never like been into his work, never read the four hour body work week chef or any of it. And, uh, so I started listening to his podcast, like kind of like cherry picking from the ones that I wanted to listen to and whatnot. And then it was right around the time when he released his new book, which is tools of Titans. And it's basically distilling habits, routines, of ultimate performers, athletes, just people that slay at life and figuring out like, what is it that makes Jamie Foxx, Jamie Foxx? Like, what does he do day in and day out? Like, what is this with the super athletes? Right. And anyway, like it's this huge book that is very, it's not like a book you read from front to back, but what I've been doing with it almost like as a daily practice is just reading one chapter a day if I can find the time. And they're only like two, three pages. And every single time I do this, like there is something in there that is instantly applicable. So we're talking Virgo here, like a tool of a Titan, <laughs> a tool that helps us work with chaos that like brings more order and we'll say success to how we manage energy. And the results have been really remarkable in a very short period of time just like really simple stuff like for example I talked about this on my show but every time I step to the computer like I make sure that before I do any like dross work or just like emails or responding to people I make sure that the first 15 to 20 minutes that I spend in the machine is pure creativity so it's whether I'm writing or working on podcast notes or music or anything like that like when I'm fresh and I sit down, like to have that discipline or, you know, always making sure with diet, like not eating before or after certain times, like the little, little things that make such a huge difference in the long run because it's a very tiny course correction. But like with a ship, if you just like turn the helm a little bit, all of a sudden, you know, you're going to not land on the shore that you need to. You got to always be course correcting. And I think that these little like habits and these routines that we can implement into our life are huge when dealing with Virgo and Pisces. Like it doesn't need to be like an absolute commandment in, the, in, in a moment, but like just these little things that we can adjust, like fine dials. And it's just been incredibly helpful for me, just kind of flipping through that book. It's great. Do you have it, Daniel? I don't, but I'm going to get it because I think I need some of that in my life. (laughs) I need some, like, like I I'm, yeah, I really feel like I'm floating right now and to have like a routine ritual. And I've heard him interview people on his podcast about this kind of stuff. And 
you know, kind of goes in one ear out the other. But if I have like a manual that I'm following yeah. of some sort, yes. you know, that I think that would be a really helpful guide to kind of get through this because mm -hmm. it does feel very much like, yeah, just to have some practical um, ways of engaging with life as the wheel of life is continually turning. And also how that really brings us, you know, kind of back into the present moment and, you know, um, focused on whatever's right in front of us. I think that that's really important too. Yeah. I think you'll like it. If you enjoy him at all, then the book yeah. will be helpful for you for sure. So well, I just wanted to share a quick insight about all of our charts, BTW. Um, I just sent you all a little message through Facebook with a picture, but, um, so we have an interesting dynamic where, uh, Danielle and Adam's midheavens oppose one another and square mine almost to the degree. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Nice. And on that eclipse, <laughs> um, that day, the midheaven was in Sagittarius. So it was on your midheaven, Danielle, opposing yours, Adam, and squaring mine in Pisces. Mm, we've got the mutable voices for the world. We just need to get the Virgo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, MC. which I have nothing in personally. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah, it's pretty pretty mind blowing actually. If you guys look at this chart, it's pretty interesting. So, cool. yeah. Anyway, love it. Mm -hmm. Well, Adam, this has been awesome. Thank you for joining us during this yeah. soupy Piscean cloudy absolutely time. <laughs> play music you guys get totally. into get into uh, uh implementing new tools into your life don't be afraid of eclipses or dragons they're not meant to be slain they're meant to be ridden mm. yeah i love mm. that mm. Mm. yeah yeah, yeah thank right, you ladies. for your words and your message and everything because it's been um very healing for me to just put this into a new perspective. So hopefully that is the case for other people listening to the show as well. Oh, yeah. So good. yeah. Yeah. I liked hearing what you guys had to say as well. Always just to be open about like, what do you think about eclipses? What are your experiences? We can all learn from each other. Storytelling. <laughs> all yep. about uh -huh. them stories. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll have a beautiful rest of your eclipse. We'll talk to you soon. And we love you. Peace. Ciao.